Uh, so we're in the middle of a series that we call Foundations, um, and we call Foundations because these thoughts and these ideas and these concepts form uh, the building blocks for the faith that we profess. And so we're saying it, these things are central for us. These things are fundamental for us, and we've been begun to investigate what some of those things are. And tonight I want to talk about something that might sound a little bit odd as we begin to talk about it, but I want to talk about the fact that life is a battle, and why life is a battle. And I'd love it if you have a Bible, if you turn to Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus and chapter 6. And we're going to talk about a passage that some of you who've hung around church for a long time will know very well. Others of you will have no idea what this is about. But we're going to talk about a passage where Paul talks about the armor of God that you can put on in your life that will enable you to stand. And not just stand, but thrive. Uh, walk in in faith and what and what that looks like and we're gonna we're gonna read together but before we do so how many of you love stories oh, come on how many of you like there's more stories are like what makes the world go around Fil films I love films and people people watch films in a whole bunch of different ways and there are a, a huge variety of the different kind of films that that you can watch but the best stories and the best films in my humble opinion which is really humble but always an opinion um, it, and the best stories are the ones where you connect with the story because it makes sense of your story does that make sense the best stories, the, the sagas of our world, the stories that you come back to again and again and you look at the films again and again, you want to read the book again and again, are the stories that connect because you lose yourself in them and then you find yourself in them because they connect with the story of your world and the story of, of this world. And the stories that are the best stories are the stories where there is conflict, where there is difficulty, where there is dissonance, where there is the possibility of redemption, but there is also the reality of evil, where there's a struggle between dark and, and, and light and right and wrong and good and evil. And, and they're the best stories because it, it resonates with what is true of our hearts, actually, and what is true of our newsfeed, actually, and what is true of our, of our world. And so tonight I want to talk about what causes that battle and why you don't need to be afraid in the middle of it. So Ephesians chapter, chapter 6. And what you need to know is this. The Apostle Paul is writing and he's, he's like one of the smartest Christians that ever lived. And he's writing this stuff to one of the best churches that ever there was. And he's writing about what it means to know God and what it means to have life, and, and what Jesus has done. And, and all the way through his letter, he, starts to he talks about opposition. And he talks about conflict in relationships. And he talks about good, and he talks about evil. And in fact, he, he describes the, the enemy of God's people as the prince of the power of the air, which sounds very Tolkien, very Middle-earth. It's just, you know, the prince of the power of the air. And, uh, and then he goes on and concludes in, in his letter. He says, in the middle of the power struggle, in the middle of the evil, in the middle of the difficulty, I want you to be able to stand. 
And because he reckons they won't understand that and get that, he says it three or four times. I want you to stand and I want you to go on standing. I want you to stand firm and I'm going to give you some gifts and some abilities to enable you to stand firm. So you're not always knocked around. You're not always freaked out. You're not always running for scared. Because there is a battle that you have to engage. Let's, let's, just, let's just read Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Paul says, finally, which basically means he's summing up. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Let's just pray. So Jesus, we love you and we trust you. And we have this and we share this audacious belief that this word is your word to us. And that it's living and active and dynamic. And if we permission it, it is going to change our perspective and our lives. So come Holy Spirit and inhabit your word and meet with us here. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you keep that passage of Scripture open, then we're going we're gonna to refer to it on a number of occasions throughout um, the next, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah. So Paul says, be strong in the Lord. And it's not like a suggestion. It's like a command. He says, be strong in the Lord. And not just, it's a good idea, you can be strong in the Lord. And he says it, obviously, because there's a danger that you might not be. You know, there's no point in saying it three or four times, it, it, unless there's a danger that you might end up being weak in the Lord, or being anxious in the Lord, or being terribly worried in the Lord. He says there is a wrestle in our world and in our lives, and you know it, against the dark power. 
And, and he says it's not actually a wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not a fair kind of flesh blood fight thing. It's, it's against, check it out here, a dark authority, a cosmic power, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And that just sounds weird. But Paul doesn't say this to weird you out or to freak you out, but to warn you up and prepare you for the reality of life. Because this is not just an interesting talk. This is of fundamental importance because there is a war against your best life. There is a battle for your best life. You have one life and it is terribly opposed. That's why you struggle internally. That's why the news feed is as it is. That's why it always feels like one step forward, two steps back in, in, in walking with God. That's why you want to do the right thing and you struggle to do the right thing. The, all those things are because there is a war for your mind, your heart, your soul, and your destiny. So this isn't just an incidental teaching. This is fundamental for you to understand what is going on in our world. And Paul writes this stuff because he doesn't want you to be passive. So he says, I want you to be strong. I don't want you to be passive in this thing. I want you to be strong because you're in a battle. And if you get passive in a battle, you get beaten in a battle. And I don't want you to be beaten in a battle. I want you to win. So I don't want you to be passive. And what he's saying, just really quickly, is, is we live in a spiritual world. Oh, yeah, we live in a physical world that you can see, touch, taste, and, 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 and hear. But you also live in a spiritual world. And in your heart, you know you live in a spiritual world. It's like picture-in-picture picture TV. You know, you've got this physical world and you've got this, this spiritual world and it's happening at the same time and they, they're, they're, they're interlinked and they're both real and they're both true. And in the spiritual world, there are two powers. It makes sense of our stories. Two kingdoms, two dominions, two rulers. There is God and there is anti-God. The Bible gives him a variety of names. I put some of them on, on, on the screen. The Bible calls him Satan, calls him the accuser calls him the adversary, he calls him a liar. The enemy lies to you. The enemy wants to destroy you. The enemy is a murderer. The enemy is the prince of the power of the air. The enemy is the devil. The enemy is the evil one. The enemy is the father of lies. The enemy is the tempter. And all those names are given to us to help us understand not just what he's called, but what he does. This is how he operates in this world. And his reason for being is to limit the God life in you and to keep you from the deeper things of God and disable you in living the kingdom of God because that's what he's most scared of. That you would truly become who you are, you would stand on who you are, and you make an impact in this world as who you are, and you would change this world. So Paul is saying, in this spiritual world, there is a war, and it's a war for your destiny. And, and, and I don't say that lightly, but, but getting this is so important. You see, the enemy's number one plan is this. It's to convince you that it's peacetime and not wartime. Because if he can convince you that it's peacetime and you start acting as if it's peacetime, then he can attack you and you are totally and utterly vulnerable to every kind of attack. And he can oppose the life of God in you and he can oppose, every, he can oppose everything of the kingdom through you. So not only do you fall and fail and get frustrated, you also have limited impact in this world when you're called to have maximum impact. You're in a battle. And Paul says, don't be passive, be strong. Notice, notice the, the scriptures. Not try to be strong or man up or 
you could be strong, but be strong. The, the Greek original language here is this the continuous verb. Go on being strengthened. This is how you're supposed to live your life. You're supposed to live your life being strengthened, becoming stronger in faith and in God. You're supposed to live in step with him and be strong. You're not supposed to give up, drop back, cop out, blend in, sit back, consume church. You're supposed to be strong. Don't be passive. Now, I know that this all sounds a little bit extra and a bit medieval, but doesn't it, if you just stop for a moment, doesn't it kind of ring true? Not, not just of the stories of our world, not just of our Narnias and our Lord of the Rings and our Star Wars, although we only tell the stories again and again and again repeatedly because there's truth in them. But also, doesn't it make sense of our news feeds? I mean, how else, do you, how else can you get your head around the stuff that goes on in our world if there's no evil? And there's no construct, and there's no opposition, and there's no war, and there's no battle. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Look at verse 13. I don't want you to be passive, but equally, I don't want you to be ignorant. Be wise. Paul says the days are evil. And, and I know that sounds like old school preaching, but it's true. What, is, what, is, what does the evil look like? I mean, partly the answer is easy. It looks like what happened in New Zealand in the last couple of days, doesn't it? I mean, that's just not a misfunction or a malfunction. It's evil. It looks like ISIS. It looks like abuse. It looks like knife crime. It looks like rape and murder. It looks like pornography and people who are people being used. That's evil, isn't it? It looks like greed which gets it a bit closer to home. It looks like human trafficking. It looks like hunger in a world of plenty. That's evil. It looks like one child dies every five seconds from preventable hunger in a world of plenty. That's, I mean, we can call that a number of things, but ultimately there's something very dark about that. And it, and it looks like even the normalization of loneliness. It looks like one million pensioners who will not have a meaningful interaction with another human being this week. I mean, that's not good, is it? And, and, and what if it looks like your best life and potential being stolen by the lies of the enemy? What if that's also evil? And the, the enemy, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Because if you're ignorant, you're not wise. And if you're not wise, you're not equipped. And, be, and so he goes on to say, look, verse 11, the attack that you're facing is a cunning attack. In other words, it's not a full frontal, hey, I'm the devil and I'm going to mess with your life attack. <laughs> it's much more subtle than that. Why? Because the enemy knows that, that if, if, if he exposes himself, most of us are pretty well equipped to be able to handle that stuff and know what evil is. And so his, his attack is incredibly cunning. The word used there is, is, is it's a scheme. In fact, a better translation, it's a subtle deceit. In other words, the enemy is not direct. He doesn't hit you where you expect him to hit you. He goes for your underbelly, your weakness, your sin, your pride, your self-sufficiency. And, and he, he's just smart. He knows how to undermine the God life in you and he will go for it. 
I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to be wise to his tactics. I want you to notice this. The, the, the attack of the enemy is comprehensive. Subtle and comprehensive. So um, the Apostle Paul writes later in, in a letter that he writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. And he describes one of the main tactics of the enemy. Of God. This is really important that you're wised up about this. He describes one of the main tactics of the enemy of God. And he talks about the fact that the enemy wants to create strongholds in culture. And, and the word stronghold is the word okarama. And it means a fortified position. And the, and the Apostle Paul goes on to say that fortified position is a way of thinking that seems totally reasonable to the culture that we live in, but it undermines the culture of the kingdom of God and keeps you from the deeper things of God. In, in other words, there are things that the enemy has sown into our culture, ways of thinking that seem reasonable to everybody, in fact, probably to many people in this room, that actually are designed by the enemy to keep us from God to keep us from hungering after God, to keep us from righteousness, to keep us from blessing people, to keep us from loving people, to keep us from grace and peace and compassion and mercy and justice. But they just feel right to us. And he's sown it subtly into our culture. So for instance, individualism seems totally rational to us because we've grown up in a culture that's been, been, been led by the enlightenment and enlightenment thinking. Individualism just basically means that you're an individual and you have the right to be an individual and express who you are and, and, and you've got to look after yourself. And, and the problem with individualism is you take it to its logical conclusion, it robs you of community. It robs you of interdependence. And it robs you of actually participating in reflecting the full image of God. Let's take consumerism. It seems totally reasonable to us that we are a consumer culture, you know, because we've got such a variety of choice. We've got so many things that we can go out and, 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 and enjoy in life. And what's wrong with going out those things? But if consumerism is taken to its logical conclusion, it robs us of participation in life and in God. Hedonism. Hedonism seems totally reasonable. You know, and, and just enjoy life. Have out anything you want. As long as you don't kill anybody or hurt anybody, having out anything is brilliant. But, but, but hedonism has been sown into our culture as illusions of glory that are designed to keep us from the one for whose glory we're supposed to live. In other words, it's kind of, you know, you, you get something and it satisfies you for a second. It's like candy floss. I always describe it as candy floss. It's like, can, you know, you see this huge... If you're American, cotton candy. This, this huge thing of candy floss, and it's, you think, this is going to satisfy me forever. I'll never be able to finish this thing. And you take a mouthful, and it's gone. And just ends up in a sticky mess. But that's, that's, it. That, that's what hedonism is like. You, you will give you something that will satisfy you. It never quite satisfies you. You always need more of it. And actually, you end up chasing the stuff that will never satisfy you and not chasing the one who will always satisfy you. It's a deceit of the, of the enemy. Secularism, rationalism, being sown into our culture to say we don't need God. In fact, it's totally outdated to think that we need God. But it robs us of, 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 of falling in love and following the one who is the creator, which makes no sense because we're a creation. And we will never find our purpose and meaning in life until we find it in God. So the enemy has sown these things into our culture and they're subtle deceits and we all buy, well many of us just buy into these things and we live less and we live captive and we never live free. The attack is comprehensive and the attack is customized. It's not just a general attack against the world. It's an attack against you. It's an attack against you becoming the best you. 
Because he knows that if you become the best you, created in the image of God, you do significant damage to him and you start to live in a radical way the kingdom of God and he hates it. So he knows your strengths and he knows your weaknesses and he will come after you. It's, it's an attack and it's subtle. And Paul says, I don't want you to be passive. I want you to be strong. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to be wise. But I don't want you to be fearful. You don't need to be fearful. I want you to be powerful. These scriptures say that you can stand. And and look at verse 10 with me. Paul says, you can stand in the power of God. Your strength is in the Lord. What does that mean? It means that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and is for you and not against you. The same anointing, the same authority. It means that you are hitched and cemented and rooted to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the judge of all the earth. And you don't need to be passive and you don't need to be ignorant and you don't need to be fearful because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You just need to be wise and equipped. Because if you're not wise and equipped, you'll be taken out. But if you're wise and equipped, he cannot get you. And so Paul then goes on to say, now here's the armor, here's the stuff. Here's here's the equipment to to run alongside your wisdom. And he starts talking about the full armor of of God. And this is really, really important. And we haven't got loads of time. Don't worry, I'm not going to speak forever. This is really important. He says that there is a battle for your mind, but you can win it. There's a, there's a battle for your mind, but you can win it. In fact, I want to set you up to win it. Put on the belt of truth and the helmet of salvation. There's a, bat- there's a battle for your mind, but you can win it. Because, and this is important because your mind is a leader. And the enemy of your destiny knows that. Because what you think you do and what you do causes the outcomes of, of your life. So if he can limit your thinking or, 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 or cause deceit to come into your thinking, then he can lessen your impact. And so the Apostle Paul says, that's not good enough. I'm going to give you, the, the Spirit of God is going to give you some armor that's going to protect you so that you can stand and you can stand effectively and you can, you can thrive, put on the belt of truth. Verse 14. Now that would have been a rope that would have gone around the, the clothes of, of a soldier and, and it would have hold, held your clothes up. Without, without it, it would have been a bit of a mess. You know? So to be honest, whatever else armor you had, if you didn't have the belt, you, you're, 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 you're totally stuffed. And, and, and what you need to know this is this. Unless, unless you understand Jesus, unless you understand who he is and what this is all about, the rest of the armor is irrelevant. But if you get Jesus, if, if you will understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what that means for your life, then you will be fully equipped. If you will get that Jesus isn't just some kind of good guy who's here to help you through life, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the creator and the savior and the Lord. And right now he's conscious, active head over all things because he's Lord. He, he is above all things and he controls all things and he's Lord over all things. If you will understand that he's the 
way in a world that's lost its way. It's patently obvious from your newsfeed that he's the truth in a world that's rejected absolute truth. He's truth definitive. In fact, so much so, not just intellectual truth, but experiential truth. You can stand the weight of your life on his truth, and he is life in a world that has this pretense life, this fake life, this I'm having a good life, but not really life. He's life in all its fullness. If you get that stuff, that he's for you, not against you, and he's included you in him, you can't lose the battle. Put on the bell of truth. And then know who you are. Put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation protects your minds from the attack of words. I I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but there are words. My mum used to say to me, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. I love her dearly. Nonsense. It is nonsense, isn't it? Because sticks and stones may break your bones and they will hurt for a season and then your bones will get mended. But words can cause incredible damage if taken into your life. And, and, and the Apostle Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation because negative words can defeat the true you. And negativity in our culture suffocates the real you. And there have been words that have been spoken over you. You know them. You can even, you're even hearing them right now that have limited you and they do not need to define you. So put on the helmet of salvation, the truth. Allow the truth of who God says you are and what that means. The, the negative, you know, I, every time I, I've said this before, every time I preach in this church, every single time, the enemy of God whispers to me about five minutes before I'm about to stand up, what you've got is rubbish. They don't want to hear any more from you. Why are you even bothering? And, um, and I have this fight in my seat. And the fight is, am I going to listen and, and uh, uh, give in to those words? Or am I going to battle and fight and stand up and say, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. And, and here's the thing. I preach, and I'm fine when I preach. And when I sit down, the enemy comes again and says, I told you that that was the case. That's, that, that's just the, the, the mental attack of, of, the, of the enemy, and it kills, it kills you. The interesting thing is this. The helmet that a Roman soldier would wear would be made of bronze or, or iron. It was called the gallia. And in most cases, it would have, you've seen the films, you know. On my signal, unleash war. You've seen that film? No, maybe not. Um, <laughs> The helmet would have a plume on it. Have you seen the plumes? You know, the kind of plume that they would have, like a feather or red or... And they would have different colors on the feathers and different shapes on the feathers. And they were there to help identify what, what legion you were part of or what cohort you were part of. They were there to give you identity. And, and here's, here's the thing. The truth that God speaks is the only truth that gives you identity to stand. And there is an attack in this generation, as in every generation, particularly in this generation, on identity. We don't know who we are. And, and, and the helmet of salvation is, is, is the thing that enables me to say to the enemy, my name is Carl. 
I'm a son of the heavenly father. I'm adopted through the death of his son. I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit. I'm called to participate in the mission of God in this world. I do not belong to this world, but I'm supposed to have a radical impact on this world as I pass through. And I get easily distracted by that, but that's the truth. And Satan is a pretty formidable foe, but so am I. So am I. There is an attack on your mind. And God says, I've given you some armor that you need to pray on. But there is also an attack on your heart. But you can win it. There's a massive attack on your heart, but you can win it. In ancient times, the breastplate that that we're told to put on was made just the right size and shape to cover and protect the vital organs and particularly the heart. And this is really important because your heart gets damaged as you walk through this world. I tell you why it gets damaged. It gets damaged because you're a broken person living amongst broken people. And things get done to you and around you and experiences that you have and love that is unrequited or, 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 or ungiven, our hearts get damaged. Our hearts get damaged by expectations, sometimes lovingly given, but, but sometimes wrong. And our hearts get damaged by it. Our hearts get damaged by rejection and failure and the things that we, that, that we long for that, 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 that doesn't happen. And, and what happens so often is because our hearts get damaged, we try everything we can to protect our hearts. And if your heart gets damaged enough, you cover it and protect it so much that your heart becomes hard. You you know what I'm talking about? To people. Because they will hurt you. And I know what you do and I know why you do it. And, And here's the thing. To God. Guys, our hearts are vulnerable. Our hearts are vulnerable. We desperately need the breastplate of righteousness. So, Father, would you put the breastplate of righteousness on me? I choose to let you and you alone defend me. I choose to let you be my judge. Not anyone else, not anyone else's opinion. Would you restore and protect me? You see, the way to defeat the enemy is to face the Father. I am, one of my daughters works in a fantastic home for ladies, um, with disability and um, she, um, she loves it so much she comes home every day and tells me all how wonderful it is and how wonderful they are and she just talks about them all the time and there is a, there is a simplicity but a, but a profound simplicity to some of the faith of some of those ladies and she says that there's one lady that she prays with every night she has a prayer that she prays every night now this lady is in her mid-sixties and she hardly speaks she struggles to speak. She can say certain words, but she struggles to speak. Um, she has a number of disabilities. But every night she prays a prayer that she has learned by heart. And she prays this. Father, I ask for happy dreams. Oh, God. <laughs> dreams and visits that only come from you. I ask your angels to stop anything that does not come from you, Father. I receive it, your peace, your joy, your hope from you, dear Father. I receive it deep in my spirit, in Jesus' name. Get this, because I know who I am. I am the healed of the Lord. I am the precious child of my heavenly Father.
Now listen, if I were to copy that out and you were to pray that every night and you were to believe it every night because it's true, it would protect your heart from the nonsense that you hear and the rubbish that you will live amongst and the, the vile stuff that you allow to come through your eyes and through your ears, from your television set and from YouTube and all that stuff that fills you. If you would fill your heart with the Father, what he says about you, it would protect your heart. He wants to heal your heart. There is a battle for your mind. There is a attack on your heart but there is an all out war for your destiny and you can win it see the enemy of God will try and take you out and render you ineffective and distract you in every way he can and mess with your marriage and mess with your relationships and mess with your parenting and have you struggling with your finances and above anything else I think would have you living in fear and not faith. It'll never happen to me. I'm just going to live in fear all my life and I'm going to second guess everything. I'm going to second think everything. But Father God says some weird stuff in this passage of scripture. He says you can take some ground even in the middle of the battle. Put on the shoes of the gospel of peace and I'll tell you why this is this is really interesting and, and the Scottish rugby team learned this yesterday when you are under devastating and effective attack don't scramble your defense it's not going to work go on the offensive that's what they learned isn't it every time they tried to defend against the English it didn't work but they attacked them they they should have won actually we should have won hey how about that <laughs> yesterday don't scramble for defense Go on the attack. I'll tell you how you go on the attack. Look, look at the passage of Scripture. You go on the attack by putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace. In other words, you start to take territory. And as you take territory, not only are you pushing back the darkness, not only are you extending the kingdom of God, but you're protecting your heart, you're protecting your head because you're beginning to understand who you are and what you're for. You see, here's the thing. God loves all people. You don't meet anybody that God doesn't love. That the, the, the Father God is, doesn't love, that Jesus didn't die for, and the Holy Spirit isn't trying to win right now. There's not a shade of person or a kind of person or an attitude of person that God doesn't love, isn't willing to forgive, and, and, and is actively pursuing right now. Because there is a God in heaven who loves people. And there is a God in heaven who has created people with a God responder mechanism in their heart and life. And so every time you step out with the gospel of peace, what you're doing is connecting with their God responder mechanism that he placed in there at the very beginning. And they're beginning to understand what this is all about. And they're desperately seeking God. They don't know it yet, but at some stage in their life when the rich run out of rungs and the poor run out of hope and the elderly run out of time and the young run out of alternatives, they're going to seek God. They're seeking God right now. And, and if you put on the gospel the shoes of peace then you begin to take some territory and it's very very cool just like the Scottish rugby team and then Paul says pick up the shield of faith one meter long actually like a door if you've ever seen pictures they're like a huge thing like a like a door Roman shields I tell you why you pick it up, because it, it, it extinguishes the flaming arrow of the enemy. You don't need to live in fear. 
You don't need to live in shame. You don't need to live in guilt. You don't need to live in less than God's best. The shield says you get to live in freedom and protection and faith. The shield says, I, Carl, choose to inhabit the space between the promise of God and the fulfillment of the promise of God with praise and with expectation rather than with fear and anxiety because I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm not going to hunker down and, and, and get all fearful because the enemy's got some arrows. Because he who is in me is greater than he is in the world. So I'm sticking up my shield of faith, got my helmet on so there's no problems in my thinking, my breastplate is covered so there's no problems in my, in my feeling and I'm taking some territory with the shoes that God gave me of the gospel. And suddenly, we start to win and we don't have to be afraid. This is an all-out war for your destiny. But you can win it. Final thought. The passage says God gives you a gift. And the gift that God gives you is a gift that basically ignites all the other gifts that he's given. He says, I want to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift, look at verse 17. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God, but it's the sword of the Spirit. Prayer in the Spirit. Look at verse 18. I'm going to give you the Spirit of God that's going to enable you to pray. I'm going to give you the Spirit of God that's going to enable you to understand this word and apply this word. I'm going to give you the Spirit of God, verse 19 and 20, that's going to give you the courage to live outrageously. I'm going to give you the Spirit of God that's going to give you the tenacity to continue to walk even when it's difficult to walk. This, this putting on the armor of God and this fighting the battle is not about working up the, the strength to do it. It's not about going, oh, you're a super Christian. Because isn't that sometimes how we, what we feel? Eh? That was a tongue. Do you, do you not understand? Don't you sometimes feel that? Like, the, the, I've got to just... I've just got to... And, and God says, that's not how it goes. I'm going to give you a gift. You're going to get given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God at hand. And the Holy Spirit as God at hand is going to put your armor on with you and for you, if you ask him. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you an ability to read, have a passion for this word, and to read this word and apply this word. That's what's going to happen. And the Holy Spirit that, that I'm going to give you is going to give you an ability to intercede, to pray, to talk to God, to listen to God, so that you know what path to take, and you know how to react, and you know where to stand, you know what not to, to do. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you the energy to keep on going when you don't feel like keep on, keeping on going because you're just human. You're, not going to, you're going to find it difficult at times. You're going to want to give up at times. But the Holy Spirit is going to give you tenacity. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you boldness. When you don't feel like being bold and you feel like being British. When you don't feel like saying anything and you feel like hiding and you don't feel like giving an opportunity. The Holy Spirit is going to give you that boldness. It's not something you have to work up. If you say, God, I'm in, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to give you this stuff and it's going to work. Guys, this is not just a rant, although it was at times. This is really important because you have a father who loves you dearly, but you have an enemy who hates you hugely. And if he can limit your life, and if he can limit the impact of your life, 
And if he can limit the joy of your life, he will do everything that he can. But God is bigger than the boogeyman. Amen. Let's pray. Why don't, if you're able, why don't you stand with me? So, Holy Spirit, we um, we thank you for your presence here already tonight, and we invite your close presence now. We invite you, and we would appropriate your truth for our lives. Come Holy Spirit. And as you stand there, why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit who is God what he wants to do. as I stand here I'm hearing I think God say two things I think I'm hearing him say I want tonight to deal with suffocating fear fear that it's so real for you it causes great anxiety in you and it stops you doing certain things and living in a way that you know you're called to live and, you, and this is not just the normal fear that people have about a whole bunch of things this is real, suffocating, debilitating fear that you know you came into the building today with this stuff. It, it, um, it, it shapes your life. And the Lord says, I am the one who heals hearts. And I want to heal and then I want to put a breastplate of righteousness over your heart so that you will not just be healed, you'll be protected. And I think that's for one or two people here tonight. You know that's what God's saying to you. In fact, that's what you asked for. And then the second thing I, I, I felt um, the Lord say is, I want to deal with disappointment. I want tonight to deal with the kind of disappointment that has shaped the way you think about God and the way you think about life. And it actually it actually gets in the middle of every relationship that you have because it causes you not to trust and it causes you to run and the Lord says I want to deal with that disappointment there was a moment when something was said and something was done that has got very deep inside you and I want to deal with disappointment tonight I want to bring healing I want to speak my truth over things 
So God, we just invite you to come now. And if that was either of those two things would for you, 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 and you'll know, you don't have to work this up, or just you'll know, then just receive from him right now the God who heals, the God who speaks identity, the God who brings release. And we together collectively as the people of God bind the enemy's attack and break off the effect of every lie, of every limitation, of every deceit that the enemy has sown. And we say we'll have no more effect because Jesus is Lord. Because the Father's love is greater than the Spirit's hate, than the, uh, the enemy's hate. And because Jesus' death and Jesus' stripes and Jesus' resurrection brings Jesus' healing. So guys, let's worship Jesus. And let's face the Father. And let's invite the Spirit to come and... Here's the thing, if, if you know one of those words was for you, or you just are desperate for more of God, or you, you don't want to live anymore in that kind of fog of thinking, or, or brokenness of feeling, or, or fear of the future, and you say, I'm, I'm, I'm not for this anymore, and you'd love someone to pray for you, and I know there'll be many of us here who would love that. Um, then our team are going to be over here somewhere to my right, and behind this guy, these guys and over there. And they would just love to pray for you. They're not going to, here's the, here's the thing, they're not going to counsel you. They're not going to give you advice or opinion. They're just going to invite this gift, the Holy Spirit, to come and fill you in such a way that it would change stuff. Is that okay? Let's worship Jesus.